The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. This all happened when I was about 19. I'm not the best looking dude, so I've never really had much luck with women and I ended up on Tinder. I wasn't having much luck there either until like the third month of using it when a blonde woman named Katie messaged me. She was pretty enough that I just dismissed her as a bot. It wasn't until three days later that she messaged me again, which was odd because bots almost never message more than once. I clicked on her chat and replied, then looked at her profile. What I saw was pretty generic, but definitely wasn't a bot's profile. We'd been talking for like a month when she proposed the idea that I come and see her. I was pretty reluctant, I'll admit, as she lived nearly eight hours from me by car, but I had to admit that I really did like her quite a bit, and I'd been thinking about asking her if I could come and see her for a while now. After a bit more badgering from her, I finally said that I would take the drive to go and see her. At this point, I really had no reason to doubt that she was who she said she was. We had video chatted every other week and called most days, and I just assumed that I honestly just got lucky. Things did get a little weird on the way there, though. She kept messaging me, asking me where I was and making sure I was still coming. At some points, when I took more than 30 minutes to respond, she'd send me a slew of annoyed texts. Admittedly, I had just chalked this all up to her being nervous about coming to see her. I was pretty nervous too, so I couldn't blame her. But I had a, a bit of a hard time finding the place at first. The directions she gave me were pretty confusing, and it was back through a series of gravel and dirt roads and a large thicket of trees. It was still about midday when I came onto a, an old looking house. A window on the second floor was boarded up, but it didn't look abandoned, just worse for wear. Katie's red buggy that she liked to talk about was parked in the front of the garage. I took up my phone and texted her that I was here. She only sent a smiley face in return. When I got out of my car to go and knock on the door, I noticed that someone was looking at me from one of the second floor windows. I found it a little bit creepy, but figured it was just her father or something. 
She had told me a few times that he comes to stay with her every now and again, so I just ignored it and knocked on her door. She answered with a smile and even gave me a kiss, which surprised me and I followed her inside. We sat down on a couch and started talking about our plans when I asked her about her dad. Hey, you didn't tell me that your dad was here, I said. Was that going to be a surprise or... Katie looked confused and told me that her dad wasn't here. I still thought that she was keeping up the act and I told her that she didn't have to keep pretending and that I had seen him looking at me through the upstairs window. And Katie went pale and said that we had to get out of there right now. We both ran out to our cars and when I questioned Katie, she informed me that her dad wasn't there and that she had been home alone until I showed up. I called the police and while I was on the phone giving the address, Katie gasped and pointed to the window where I had seen the guy last because he was looking at us from out the window again. I got a better look this time and he seemed older and frail, almost like he hadn't eaten anything in a while. He left the window after he saw that we saw him. The police took about half an hour to show up and the whole time Katie was crying and mumbling about how she was an idiot for not keeping her doors locked. When the police finally did show up, one started asking me and Katie questions and the other two searched the house. They came back out a little later and told me and Katie that while they didn't find anyone, they did find that the back door was hanging open, which means that whoever it was ran out into the woods but the cops were sure that the house was empty. After the cops left, Katie asked me to stay the night because she was too scared to be in her house alone right now, and I gladly did, and we slept downstairs on the couch as Katie's bed was the room next to the one the man had been in. Katie had also brought out the shotgun that her father had given her, but she never used. I told her that it was fine, the man was gone, but she insisted, saying that she'd feel safer if we had it out. And boy... Am I glad that you did? Later that night, I was still wide awake watching TV. Katie had somehow managed to fall asleep. But from the kitchen, I heard the sound of a doorknob being turned. And at this point, I wasn't even scared anymore. I was just really pissed. I flipped on the light in the kitchen and pointed the gun at the kitchen door. And there he was. The guy that had been in the house before was standing on the other side of the glass door. He looked shocked and I'm glad that we had locked the door, but eventually the man unfroze and yet again ran into the woods. I woke up Katie and told her what had happened and we called the police yet again. When they arrived, they did a sweep of the woods and found no one yet again. They told Katie and me that it'd probably be a good idea to stay somewhere else for the night. Me and Katie said our goodbyes and she was going to stay at her friend's house and I was going to go home. I left a little after Katie did and I was on the phone with my brother telling him about what had happened. My headlights were on and as I was talking, something caught my eye. It was that man standing at the corner of the house just watching me. Well, I gunned it out of there and I didn't even bother calling the police again but I did text Katie and she said that she was going to call them again. Somehow though, I really don't think that Katie is ever even going to want to go back to that house alone again. So I went hiking with one of my old friends. 
He used to be homeless and in a really bad situation with his parents, so I let him stay with me until he got on his feet. Now, one evening, before he actually started staying, he went to get his stuff from the woods that he was posted up that night. It's probably like 11pm or midnight when we met up. I had work and I got off late. We go to the woods to pick up his stuff and we kind of got lost in the dark. It was abnormally dark that night, considering the full moon was fixing to come around for its phase. Neither of us had flashlights and my phone had died so I couldn't use that. It was bad planning, I'll admit. But we stumbled across a bunch of decently large mounds of dirt in this offshoot of the woods. Each mound had a small tree growing from the middle and a crude blank sign at the tops. At this point, it was eerily quiet considering that on our way over, the woods were insanely loud with cicadas and whatnot. When we hear a branch snap nearby while trying to look at these mounds and decide to get back to finding his stuff. We eventually found his campsite and we hurried out. Outside the woods now, we're walking down a one-way street leading to the main road. A large moving truck comes our way and slowly passes us by. We pay it no mind and just nod and keep going. The truck turns around and pulls around into a sort of little offshoot on our right, stopping parallel to us with the engine. The driver gets out and just kind of watches us. We weren't being conspicuous or anything by looking back, just glances over the shoulder here and there. Nothing that you could make out in the darkness from the distance that he was anyhow. We're almost at the top of the street and to my car when he goes to the back of his truck and I guess opens the back door. And the next thing that we hear is at least three dogs barking their heads off and a flashlight pointed our way. We started running and we had to do some evading through nearby neighborhood streets before we could get back to my car. Eventually we did though and we just sped the hell out of there. And nothing ever really came of that afterwards too. No cops, no local town chatter, nothing. Well, more did, but that's a different story altogether. And at this point, I'm done with this. I lived in a pretty average-sized town my whole life. It was overrun with drugs and one of the worst homelessness problems per capita in the country. Living there, I knew not to trust anyone, but I had enough friends there that I mostly felt safe. But eventually I transferred colleges to one of the biggest, richest cities of the country, and when this happened, I'd been living there for about a year. I felt safe, even alone. My school and home were outside of the regular touristy places, and my neighborhood was mostly retired rich couples or students like myself. I felt safe walking to and from school by myself, so... I really wasn't expecting this to happen. So, I normally don't give any strangers the time of day, mostly because I just didn't want to interact with people. But this day, I guess, I was just feeling talkative. I was in my neighborhood, walking back from school, but still had a few streets away from my house when I heard a voice above my music. I pulled out a headphone and stopped, and I heard a, a man calling out for me. I placed it behind me but didn't see anything and figured it must be coming from the car behind me. I don't know what was going through my head this day and why I didn't just keep heading home but I walked towards the car and it was a tan SUV, not screaming danger but I took a mental note of the first three of his license plate and when I got to the passenger side window, it was already rolled down, 
and there was a man sitting in the driver's seat. He was in my general age range, had on nice clothes, a button-up tie, and he was immediately attractive. Not out of place and not immediately untrustworthy either, but in the end I just thought that he needed directions. He asked if I went to my college and I said yes. He told me that he sees me by the science building every day and thought that I was pretty. This is where my alarm bell started to ring a bit because my major was nowhere close to science and I was only ever on campus twice a week, if that. He asked my name and I gave him a fake one but told him that he must have mistaken me for somebody else because I was never by science. He got extremely nervous and I started to pull away. The alarms in my head were screaming at this point. He told me to wait though and asked if I could take him out for a drink right now, even though it was like barely noon. I turned him down, citing the fact that I had a boyfriend. He said, what, you can't have friends? In a sort of condescending but forced casual way. Scared now too, I apologized and said that my boyfriend was waiting for me. It was a lie, but I felt like he needed to know that someone was going to miss me. Now, I've never had such a strong fight or flight instinct hit me before, and I pulled away, walked away as fast as I could. I guess in the heat of the moment, I failed to check if he was following me. But the next time I head to class, I was walking up my street and stopped dead when I recognized the same car again. I feigned realizing that I forgot something and I walked back into my house, frantically texting my boyfriend. And after that, I just stopped walking to class for a month. A few days after this, I was getting ready to leave for work and I was working the open shift so I was leaving my house at like 4am. And even before this, I was very careful about being aware of my surroundings, especially before and after getting into my car. But as I was pulling out, I noticed his car two houses down from mine, closer than last time. I texted my boyfriend and let him know, and we agreed that I wasn't going to be leaving the house alone until we figured out what was going on. I work in an industry that casually attracts cops and the morning shift especially invited at least five of them at any time to be hanging out in our lobby. So I had cultivated a fairly strong and friendly relationship with a few of them. The morning that I had left and noticed him, I sat down with the cops that had gathered for the morning and explained my situation. And they said that while something definitely wasn't right, they couldn't really do anything for me because well, no threat was made. Not long after my conversation with my cop friends, one of them was responding to a call about a suspicious vehicle, completely by accident, recognized the car as my description of his car, and remembered my story. He told me that he walked up to his car and asked what he was doing, just sitting in his car like that, citing the call that they received and noticed obvious evidence of surveillance. A camera, a few notebooks, food wrappers, water bottles... They ran his info and it actually turned out that he had a warrant for assault with a deadly weapon and harassment. I was called in shortly after to identify him and also to make a statement. After he was arrested, I was told that it was obvious that he'd been stalking me for weeks. He'd even documented when my boyfriend came and left and admitted to wanting to kidnap me at some point having all the equipment to do so in his car, saying that he was just waiting for the right moment, but my boyfriend was just always in the way. I thank those cops every day for saving me from what definitely could have been the worst experience of my life, 
and my observant neighbors for calling us Kari. I guess the moral of the story is trust your gut and always be aware of your surroundings. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. So, even though I consider myself a very rational, sort of sciencey person who doesn't believe in the paranormal, some experiences with my daughter have led me to at least be more open about this. And also, it's still something that I'm super fascinated with, even if I struggle to believe it. I also never really talked about the experiences that I'm about to tell you about, since I'm surrounded by people just like me who just kind of brush this stuff off. Anyway, it all started in my last apartment when my daughter was like four. I'm a single mum and it's just been the two of us after I separated from her father for some time. So the first thing happened when we were both playing in her room and she seemed very focused on our Playmobil game when this conversation happened. She says to me, mum, he wants to say hi. And I'm like, what, who, the Playmobil figurine? And she says, no, mum, the monster. He's sitting right next to you, can't you see it? I, obviously slightly uncomfortable, say, no baby, I, I can't see him. Are you sure that he's there? Yeah, you really can't see him? He's waving at you. And then she started waving at something invisible next to me. I just kind of brushed it off as some sort of a, a fantasy and changed the topic back to our playing. Another time, we were also playing with her Playmobil stuff, which was between me and her, and she was sitting across with her face showing towards me. While we were playing, she annoyingly turned around and looked back and made the go away movement with her hands and said stop. And a few seconds later she turned around again, did the same movement and said stop it. I asked her what was wrong and then she came to me and sat on my lap and did the same gesture again and said go away. I asked her again what was wrong since I was really confused. And she was like the monster keeps touching me and I don't like it. Honestly, this is where I started being creeped out as well. So I said, leave her alone, monster. 
and proceeded to play with her and distract her, but this is where I started to feel really uncomfortable in my apartment. The worst one, though, was definitely at night when we decided to sleep in the same bed in my room since it was the weekend. I remember I woke up at probably around 3 in the morning, I think, just after it, I'd guess, and saw her sitting on the bed just staring at the wall. I asked her why she wasn't sleeping, and she said... I can't sleep when the man is standing next to our bed. Now, as I said, I'm a pretty rational person who, for the most part, attributes these things to kids' blooming fantasies, but in that moment, it took both my non-existing balls to tell her that it's okay, and I cuddled up with her until she fell asleep, instead of freaking the hell out and leaving the apartment in the middle of the night. I still kept telling myself that it's just a fantasy and that all kids have this sort of stuff. But what was stranger to me though was that all these things stopped happening when we moved. She never talked about a monster or weird man again. Never told me that she saw something that I couldn't see. But the really weird coincidence about all of this though is that in that apartment is where I had my first and only ever sleep paralysis experience. I was sleeping on my stomach as usual and I woke up and couldn't move or speak. And suddenly I noticed something stroking my hand and whispering my name into my ear. It was super terrifying in that moment but I know what sleep paralysis is and why it happens and that it can cause all kinds of hallucinations so for me it was 100% this. It never happened again thankfully too but I'm also glad that I'm out of that apartment since... All the weird stuff happened there only. This happened a couple of years ago while I was still in high school and live feed cameras, those ring door cameras, were first becoming a thing. It must have been about 2014 or 2015 or somewhere around there anyway. So I used to go running in the woods right by my house in upstate Washington the trail began very steep, almost like a hike, and then became more flat and steady, and that was where I would always begin my runs. I would run every day, roughly around the same time in the morning, around dawn, and also afternoon, before and after school. Now, I was running before school one morning, and a tall man with a beard and a plain tan hat was sitting on the bench at the beginning of the trail. I hated dealing with people because I was an awkward teenager, so I began to look at the ground and just walk by him. As I got closer, I could tell though that he was staring at me. I walked past him and I was going to go up the trail. I slightly turned around and saw that he had stood up and was walking the trail behind me. Keep in mind, the sun is barely coming up, so it's mostly still dark. And then I ran. This was not my normal jog too because I was sprinting at this stage. Nobody was ever on this trail in the morning and I'd never seen him before and for some reason it just creeped me out. I knew that I could go through the forest basically to my backyard so I wasn't that worried but I was afraid that he was going to attack me or something. As I got further down the trail I must have lost him so I slowed down because frankly I was out of breath. Then I heard a man's voice say loudly as if he was screaming, well, aren't you going to introduce yourself? And that was when I lost it. I called my mum and told her that I thought someone was following me on the trail. 
I told her a brief version of what had happened and she told me that she could meet me with her car at the head of the trail. Just in case the man was following me, she didn't want him to know where we lived. I went down a trail that shortcuts to the head of the trail and was looking out for the man the whole time. I got to my mum's car and started sobbing and crying. I don't really remember why I started sobbing. I just remember being so scared that I was going to be kidnapped. But the rest of the day went normally too and I went to school and went to all my classes and for the most part just forgot about what had happened. The rest of the week too was pretty normal. Until Friday night on my way home from school I stopped at the grocery store and on the way out I swore that I saw the same man. I thought that I was imagining it to be honest so I just kind of walked to my car and we drove home. I didn't want to do much on the weekends and so I just stayed home and chilled with my family, smoked with friends and that was about it. I was up late with my friend Josh just watching bad movie after bad movie and then we started to hear a knocking on the window at around 3 in the morning. At the time I had some annoying middle school kids in the neighborhood who were always pulling pranks so although it was creepy, being the macho kids that we were, we just ignored it and were trying to play it off like we were ignoring the annoying middle schoolers. The knocking then transferred from the back room where we were onto the windows by the front door though. In the morning I told my parents and my dad checked the ring camera and as you can probably guess by now, it was the same man. There were a multitude of clips of him, first a couple of him walking past the camera as if he was walking back and forth in front of the house to see if he could see inside, then a couple of clips of him kind of stepping back and looking up as if he was trying to look into the upstairs windows from afar. These clips ended around 1.45 in the morning I think, then at around 3 or 3.05 he showed up again and was tapping the windows and we could see him clear as day in the camera. At one point, he stood back and realized the camera was there and just stared into it. He did this a few times and then got really close to the camera and whispered what sounded like, how was your run? He smiled and then he just walked away. My dad called the police and had them come out to the house. We showed them the camera footage but since we did not have cameras in our house or in the back we couldn't prove that he was actually trespassing and there's nothing illegal about talking to somebody's doorbell. I never did see him again after that and when the police checked back the following month they said that they thought that once he saw the camera he must have got freaked out and decided that he was caught and decided to drop whatever he was planning to do. It was a, a really terrifying situation though. I mean, I was literally being stalked. Also, uh, I'm a guy, so something like this has never really happened to me and hasn't since then too, so it was just really weird and really freaky. Safe to say though that I got a gym membership after all of that and I haven't gone running down that track since. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. So my husband and I met in college. 
I won't name names for the sake of privacy, but we went to one of those region's oldest colleges, over 200 years old, and it was known to be very haunted. We started dating our freshman year, and we pretty much started living together right away. I was a commuter, so I would stay over in his dorm often. And in our junior year, my husband, boyfriend at the time, Jay, landed a sweet living situation where he was able to have a bedroom to himself in a larger suite with only two guy suite mates. This was the ideal situation for us because it meant that I could basically live with him during the school year since he didn't have a person sharing a bedroom with him. This living situation was obviously incredibly beneficial for me and I loved it. Aside from having to share a twin XL bed with a 6'2", 250-pound linebacker, it was pretty awesome. But it didn't take me long at all to realize just how haunted the building was. I have a ton of stories about my experiences in the building and on the campus in general, but explaining them all in one video would be way too long. I'll discuss a few of the big ones though so that there's a bit of context. So, Jay was an RA and had to do a lot of work to prepare the suites for all the other students who would be moving in soon. And because of this, he was actually able to move in about a week before anybody else. On the day that we were moving Jay's things into the building, I had multiple sightings of a tall black shadowy figure. I would always catch it in the corner of my eye and it would just quickly duck out of sight every time that I did a double take or tried to look at it more closely. I saw this figure probably four or five times in the move in the day and didn't think much of it until I remembered that the building was basically empty except for Jay and me. Other experiences too included hearing voices, hearing scratching, banging, thumping at times when it couldn't be explained, a very creepy night alone on campus during a holiday break when a major storm hit and all the power went out and more. We had a lot of creepy experiences, but my least favorite part of living in this building was honestly just the feeling that I got being there alone. If I was ever alone in any part of the room, I just immediately would feel a, a presence enter the space that I was in. It felt intense and loud and really scary. But the best way that I can explain it is that it felt like someone was standing beside me and screaming in my face, but there was no sound. We lived with this weird presence the entire time that we were in this building and we honestly were fine for months. But then something weird started happening. Jay would start waking up in the middle of the night by speaking a different language. I know that saying speaking in tongues sounds ridiculous but I honestly don't know how else to describe it. I swear that he sounded like he was speaking a completely foreign language but it was a language that I couldn't identify and had never heard before. He always sounded really intense and had an almost aggressive tone to his garbled words too, or whatever he was saying. But anyway, he woke me up by talking in his sleep like this every night for a few months in fact. It really creeped me out but I never really said anything about it until one night it scared me so terribly that I honestly had no other choice. So I woke up one night to find Jay was on top of me. Remember that we shared a twin XL bed and he's a huge guy. I was on my back and he was straddling me with his palms flat on the bed and either side of my head. His eyes were wide open and he was bent down and kind of staring at my face. 
I immediately was spooked, but just sort of played it off by saying something like, uh, Hi babe, you good? Is everything okay? There was no response, and Jay just continued to stare through me and didn't even move, didn't even blink. I kept this up for a minute or two, thinking that he was potentially just being silly or was groggy from sleep and couldn't form his words. We stayed like that for what felt like forever, but was really like three or four minutes maybe? He then got off me, climbed over to me to get out of bed and stood still in the room for a few seconds. After that, he turned sharply to look at the desk and the chair in the bedroom. He pulled the chair out from the desk, turned it around 180 degrees so that it was facing him, walked around the chair three times in a circle, and then stood back to face the chair directly. He stood staring at the seat of the chair for about a minute, and then got back into bed with me and then just immediately fell asleep. The entire time that this was happening, I was just kind of watching with my mouth wide open. I know that I tried to call to him, get his attention a few times to see what he was doing, but at a certain point, all I could do was just sort of watch in bewilderment. This was definitely the strangest thing that had ever happened to me. I told Jay all about what he did the next morning, and he was really upset because it scared me so badly. He is also not and has never been a sleepwalker or a sleep talker. Shortly after this event though, I decided to cleanse the place with some help from a friend. We did and things really quietened down after that. Jay continued to talk in his sleep every now and again for the rest of that school year and even here and there for the next school year. We've been married and living in our own place since we graduated, almost two years now and I haven't heard Jay sleep talk or seen him sleepwalk a single time since we left living on campus. I know deep down that that building was haunted, and I really believe that whatever it was was attached to Jay for some reason and tried to speak through him or something. Anyway, thanks for listening, and I'm sorry that this is a bit long. I tried to condense it as much as possible to make it an easy listen, but if anyone has any ideas as to what was going on in that building, I would love to hear from them. This all happened in 2007. I was 9 years old, and my friend, Hannah, was 8. Now, every summer, her parents would take us to a campsite about uh, maybe three hours from home in northern Ontario, Canada. This campsite was in the Borwash district. You can Google search the prison for more information. But anyways, camp consisted of a, a few cottages or trailers set up in a large park on the shore of a large lake. Each summer, we'd be greeted by our friends that we'd made the previous years and we'd have ample fun. This year, though, was different because we met a girl named Emily. She was our age but shy. She'd never eat or stay over too late. We always assumed her parents were just strict. We had sleepovers, took photos together, and she kind of became the third in our Three Musketeers group setting. One day, we were actually swimming. There was a floating dock with a slide in it, and we decided to each take our turn to go down to make the biggest splashes. My turn came and for some reason I was carried under the dock and as I was trying to maneuver out from under it, Emily began holding me under the entire time. She wouldn't let go of me and finally Hannah grabbed me and pulled me up. We both got out of the water and ran to the camp. 
and we were pretty freaked out that a friend would try what I saw as drowning me. The next day was the last day that we were at the camp. Emily came by and acted like nothing happened. She spent the day trying to convince us to walk along a river to a huge building. She said it was just a few hours away, but we could spend our last day there and we'd have so much fun. We both felt like something was off though and decided that we better not go. Nothing else happened after that and we kind of just went home and the following year, Emily wasn't there. A few years ago though, we were looking at our camp pictures while celebrating my 18th birthday, when we reached the 2007 photos, and we noticed Emily was missing from them. Curiously, we asked Hannah's mum, who told us she always assumed that Emily was our imaginary friend, that she had never actually seen Emily. In the photos that we have, you can clearly tell that we left spacing for Emily in between myself and Hannah in most of our photos. We decided to, without speaking to one another, write down the characteristics about Emily that would define her, and amazingly, we wrote down the exact same thing. Green eyes, brown hair to the shoulder, very fair in skin tone, and very skinny. What freaks me out the most, though, is that I remember being trapped under that dock, and I remember her holding me there. But if she wasn't real, then what was holding me under the dock? There was no way that we both imagined the same girl, same name, same experiences and descriptions of her. We also remember her trying to get us to follow a river and we realized that the river actually went to the prison. When we started reading up on the prison too, we realized that apparently there were tons of encounters that people have had there. Now, to be clear, I'm not a believer in the paranormal per se, but this honestly just has me stumped. I have no idea why we both saw Emily and why she tried to drown me or why she wanted to lure us out to a prison, but needless to say, we did visit said prison in the middle of the night and that in its own is a completely different story that I may someday write about, but I still cannot explain who Emily was and how we both saw her, the same little girl and why she wanted me drowned and why she wanted us at the prison. I'm wondering though, have... Any of you guys had a similar experience? This was maybe five years ago now and to this day it gives me the creeps. So I was with my buddy on our way to a friend's house to catch a UFC fight. We had stopped at the store for a case of beer and on the way to my friend's house we missed the turn. Luckily in that neighborhood all of the streets are sort of connected so instead of doing a U-turn I just told my buddy just catch the next turn and do a full circle so we can turn around like that. The streets are pretty narrow so it's a residential area and we're in a pickup truck with 24 inch rims. And well he starts slowing down and I'm looking at a scratch off to see if I won when my buddy goes hey look someone's husky is just sitting in the middle of the road. I look up and I'm like Nah man, that's way too big to be a husky. So I told him to switch to his high beams. And as soon as he did, whatever it was, did not like it. So like I said, my friend's truck is sitting on big wheels and this thing still looked huge. It was maybe less than 10 feet away from us. When the light hit it, it turned its head and when I say that we saw a human face on this thing... 
I mean that we could make out eyes, nose, mouth, everything. Then it literally just spread these big ass wings and took flight. No noise from the wings and nothing. We literally had to pull over to the side of the road to just kind of evaluate what the hell we just saw. We got to my friend's house and told them what we had just saw, but they didn't take us seriously. And we still don't know what the hell we saw that night. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. I was 12 years old at the time that this happened. It was the summer of 1984 and I was out of school for the season and this particular day, my mum had to go out. She told me that she would be back in about half an hour and then she left. And after a few minutes, I realized that I needed to use the bathroom. I went to use the normal upstairs bathroom, but I realized at that moment that I left my Archie comic in the downstairs bathroom. I deeply disliked the basement, and I seriously disliked the downstairs bathroom, but sometimes it was necessary to use it if someone else was in the other one. I decided that I would just run down to grab my comic and head back up the stairs to do my business. So I headed downstairs on the run, but... By the time that I reached the bathroom, I realized that the need to go was so urgent that I had no time to make it back up the stairs. So I sat down in the bathroom after locking the door and made the best of it. Now, this bathroom was small, and when I mean small, I mean really tiny. When I sat on the toilet, for instance, the corner of the sink sat just above my left knee. And if I stretched my arm out in front of me, I could touch the other side of the room where the shower stall curtain was. Directly to the right of me was the door and I could easily touch the doorknob and the lock above the handle as well. The lock consisted of nothing more than a hook and eye deal and wouldn't stand up to anyone pulling on it hard as it would simply come out of the wall. But it was enough that if someone tried the door that it would give them reasonable resistance and then they would realize that the bathroom was already in use. Simple enough and generally sufficient for what it was needed for I suppose. But anyway... So when I went into the bathroom, even though nobody was home at the time, I shut the door and slipped the metal hook into the eye and thought nothing of it at the time. I quickly got lost in the world of Archie Andrews and the gang of characters that went to Riverdale High until I heard a noise above me. I knew nobody was home, but perhaps someone had come home while I was downstairs. I stopped reading and was listening intently when 
I heard the first heavy footsteps on the basement stairs. It was unusually loud as well and sounded like whoever it belonged to was really large and very, very heavy. I knew how many stairs there were, so as the heavy thudding on the stairs came slowly and deliberately closer, I counted. One, two, eight, nine, fourteen, sixteen... I thought that I was scared by the time that it reached the third stair, but by the time that it had reached the tenth, I could actually hear it, and it just took my breath away. As it descended, the sound of like rushing air and sort of laughter came floating down the stairs in the hallway through the bathroom door, and it gave me the shivers. I could hear it round the corner as it came to the bottom of the stairs and down the hallway towards me. I dropped the Archie book on the floor in a panic and grabbed for the door handle as I realized that... It was now just outside the bathroom door. I could hear this rushing of wind still and this laughter, all at one time sort of jumbled together like many voices and calling out sort of names or something. I held onto the doorknob with all my might as it began to twist and turn in my hands as whatever was outside the door tried to get inside the bathroom with me. The door shook with the violent tugging from the other side, threatening to tear the door from the very hinges. I thought ironically for a moment that it was a good thing that I was sitting on the toilet right then because otherwise what was going so freely into the toilet would have definitely been flowing down my legs. Time seemed to sort of stretch on and on as the struggle continued and I battled with whatever was on the other side of the door for possession of the doorknob but I don't really know for just how long it went. It could have been only seconds or perhaps even minutes but for however long it was the tears were rushing down my cheeks and I screamed in terror the entire time. And then just in a sort of single moment it stopped and I was by myself in the bathroom still shrieking in terror at nothing. The noise was gone, the tugging and the pulling on the door was over and there was just nothing. I sat there, shaking violently for what seemed like an eternity, not daring to let go of the doorknob lest that beast I had wrestled with was still on the other side of the door, silently waiting to hear them let go and breathe a sigh of relief, only to pounce and tear the door from its hinges. In fact, I didn't even relax a single muscle until I heard my mum's footsteps above me and heard her call for me. I screamed to her that I was downstairs and to come down and help me. Mum came rushing down after a few moments and asked if I was in the bathroom. I said yes, that I would be out in just a minute, and I quickly cleaned up and hesitantly opened the door hoping that it was really my sweet mum and not a horrible trick of some kind. But it really was my mum, and I threw myself into her arms sobbing and trying to tell her what just happened. She looked at me skeptically and then said, what's your blood sugar? I said, what? And again she said, what's your blood sugar? When was the last time you checked it? I had been diagnosed as a type 1 diabetic just two years before this, and although I did take great care of myself on my own, I still needed my parents' help from time to time, and she obviously thought that this was one of those times. I realized that once again she didn't believe me, instead thinking that it must be my overactive imagination and that it may have also been related to low blood sugar or something of that sort. So I went upstairs and took my blood sugar for her and... I don't really remember what it was, but it definitely was okay. But I was left with remaining sadness that my mother didn't believe me, and it wasn't the first time odd things had happened, and it definitely wasn't the last either. But years later, the way things turned out, 
she would eventually believe me just fine. I know that this story is going to sound a bit like bullshit, but I can assure you that it actually happened to my cousin and I in the summer of 2018. My cousin and I live pretty close to each other in the suburbs of Detroit. We both love photography and taking long drives listening to music, so that's exactly what we did on this particular day. We drove for about an hour to a small town and found an abandoned barn that was also for sale. At the time, we actually didn't spot any trespassing signs, so we decided to be adventurous and go and check it out. But boy, was that a big mistake. So the barn was in semi-decent condition, although the paint had begun to peel off. Structurally, it was pretty sound though, so I didn't feel uneasy about going inside of it. I'm an avid urban explorer in Detroit and had been in far worse buildings up to this stage. Once we got inside, we somehow ended up in the basement of this barn though. And man, was I immediately getting some weird ass vibes in there. There were little girls clothes and toys and furniture just littered throughout the basement of this barn and I thought it was creepy as hell and so did my cousin. Before I continue though, behind the barn was a pretty decent sized cornfield. This cornfield backed up right into the barn so we decided to be artsy and take a few pics in the corn stalks. I snap a few shots of my cousin and we decide it's time to head back to the car. Walking through the first row of corn on my way back to my cousin's car, I see a vertebrae in the dirt. And at this point, I stopped dead in my tracks in disbelief. Like, is this actually what I think it is or is this an animal bone of some kind? I start looking around and, oh shit, there were several more. They were too big to be a deer and I yell for my cousin who was almost back to the car now and have her take a look. We both start really examining the ground and we find more and more bones. Now, for the record too, I had actually taken cadaver lab and human anatomy in college so I'm very familiar with the human body. We found a fibula and a fully intact femur and that's when I really started to freak the hell out. But we decided to call the cops because we knew that this was serious at this stage. We went in the car for a good 15 minutes, totally freaking out, until the cops arrived. Once the cops came, there was two of them, we all started looking through the corn and nearby trash pile. The cops, I don't think, believed us at first, and I distinctly remember them saying that they thought it was a deer carcass. That was, until I found a full-blown rib cage in the trash pile. And then they changed their tune real quick. The cops told us that they would need us to leave and that they were calling for a full forensics team out to start collecting evidence and whatnot. We were totally shaken up and on the way out I finally saw that no trespassing sign. And I'm sure the cops did too but they just didn't care at that stage. We gave the cops our information but we never did hear anything from them. I also watched the news pretty closely for the next few weeks and I didn't see anything. But this was definitely one of the most creepy things that I've ever experienced. So my family and I moved into a new house which is a 2x4 house. It used to have an attic but it's been sealed off. After a couple of months into living in this house, sometimes I'm just watching TV and I hear scratching from the roof. I just play it off as a bird as they're common where we live. After three weeks, the scratching has gotten worse though and more frequent. 
it was kind of like it was trying to scratch its way out of the roof. By the way, too, the attic entrancey thing is above the outside of my sister's room. One day, my sister tells my dad that the seal is open. My dad gets confused because it was supposed to be sealed off. My dad goes to close it and realizes that it's actually really hard to open and close, so whatever opened it must have been pretty strong. And that was the point when I started to get skeptical. The same night I go to get some snacks from the fridge and I open it to find out that they're gone. I thought that my siblings must have eaten it and in the morning my parents are going on about a missing cake because that cake was supposed to be for my niece's birthday. They asked if I had anything to do with it and I said no along with my siblings. I was getting really suspicious about the attic though so I built up the courage to go and check it out. Note too that I'm probably the most paranoid person in the world, so I was scared for my life, but my curiosity got the better of me. I get the ladder, a torch, and a knife just in case. I open the opening thingy, whatever it's called. I shine my torch in there to see nothing. But as I search more, I see the cake, empty snack packets, dirty clothes, and a short, dark silhouette. It just freezes in its spot. Immediately I bolt and scream for my parents and I tell them everything. They tell me to stay in my room and they go up and check it out, but when they do, whoever was there was gone. I'm still pretty shook up from that moment and I still get nightmares from it from time to time. We have since moved on from that house and now live a normal, non-scary life, but it's certainly something that I'll never forget. I'm still trying to wrap my head around this one. So me and my friend were walking towards a park to just go and hang out and we discovered this sewer system. We decided to check it out because we were stupid. There was a grate covering it but the bars were bent open enough that me and her could squeeze in. She had a really bad feeling about it. She's a super intuitive person when it comes to paranormal stuff but I just kind of ignored it and went further in. Now, there was this big room area that the grate led into and it had a grate on the top where the light was shining through. There was a big tunnel leading right and a small tunnel up high that I couldn't reach on the left. The room was partially filled with water at the bottom and there was some graffiti on the walls of the tunnel. As I looked to the left, it was super dark so I couldn't see very well but a long ways down there was another grate and there was some light leaking in. And it was at this stage that... I could barely make out some sort of a a long lanky thing stretched out that looked like a a really skinny arm. I couldn't see a body attached to it because it was further away from me where it was darker and I could only see it because it was in front of the light. So it was kind of shining behind it and made it pop out. Sorry if that's worded weird but I don't know how else to describe it. All you need to know though is that I could see a part of it but not the other part. And... It looked like an arm stretched out and it wasn't moving. I just kind of ignored it thinking that it may just be a plank of wood or something propped up because there were some planks of wood in the room that I was in. I decided to stack some rocks by the left tunnel so that I could reach it and look in. And as I looked through the tunnel, there was another room far beyond the tunnel and it had a grate on top like my room and the light was leaking in also. But then... 
I noticed this grey hunched over figure with an extremely bony body. It didn't have any clothes or hair from what I could see anyway. Its body looked super malnourished. I couldn't see its head or its legs since the tunnel was really small. All I could really see was its back, part of its neck and the tops of its arms. It wasn't moving and by this point obviously I was freaking out. I went to my friend and told her what I saw. I asked for her phone so that I could take a picture to show her since she refused to go back into there and I took the picture and then we hightailed it out of there. Sadly I don't have the pictures anymore because the phone it was taken on had actually gotten lost at some stage in my life. We've gone back a couple of times to try and get more pictures but never saw anything like it since. The tunnels were just empty. But after some research I must say that I think the figures were either crawlers or greys or maybe something like that. If anyone has any information on greys then please let me know because I can't really find much about them. Again, sorry if this is badly worded but I'm not the best writer and it's super late here. If anyone needs me to elaborate on something though, I would be happy to do so in the comments below. Also, if you have any idea of what it was or have a similar experience, then I would love to know. Thanks for listening. I lived in a sketchy part of a neighborhood, but I had never had a job outside than helping my mum, so I was pretty naive and gullible at the time. I was out of high school and looking for a job. I'd worked with my mum junior to senior year cleaning houses, but I wanted to work somewhere else and gain some outside experience. When I graduated high school, my mum and I decided that it was time to look for another job because I needed some money for college. My mum loved to read newspapers and we would get a Spanish newspaper every single week. I would look through it once in a while to read the comics or see job ads at the end, and one evening I was so determined to find an ad that paid well and was something else that would give me another set of work skills. I was going through the classification section at the end of the newspaper when I found what I thought to be the perfect job for me. I don't remember word for word but it was something along the lines of looking for young females ages 18 to 25 for an open message position at this location. Now, the location they gave was like 0.3 miles away from where I stayed or something, so again, I thought it was perfect. I could walk to and from without having to worry about transportation since we only had one car. Massage training was going to be provided as well and the pay was really good. And it said that our girls earn anywhere from $500 to $900 a week. And I thought, whoa, what a great wage. I can pay off my college in no time. I was so excited that I fit the profile that I showed my mum the job ad. My mum wasn't excited like I was and she told me that it looked a little suspicious. That I should call first to see if there really was another person on the other side. So I did call and a lady answered. I asked about the free training, how much do you really make and where the location was exactly. She seemed really sweet on the phone and told me before we moved forward that they were doing interviews and already had other candidates on their list. She said that I could come in for an interview to see if I would make it to the second round of interviews and I agreed. She gave me the address and I looked it up and when I saw that it was only 0.3 miles away from my apartment, I was really happy. So I told my mum that I was going to go to the interview at a set time, at this location and alone. She told me that there was no way that I was going to go alone and she would come with me. 
I was really mad because I wanted to do this myself without her having to help me because in my little mind I thought that I was all grown up and didn't need her help. But the day came and she drove us in in the only car that we had. The address that the lady gave me was weird though because it took us to a motel behind the shopping plaza that was next to our apartment. And it just didn't make any sense to me why they would have an interview there. So we just kind of circled the plaza looking for the place and my mum got frustrated and told me to just call the lady for the exact location. So I did and she told me that they were in the motel room such and such number and that they were there because it was a safety precaution. It seemed to make sense to me so I told her that I could still not find the place so if she could speak to my mother and tell her exactly where the place was. And then she said, you're with your mother? This time her voice changed from sweet to almost angry and a panicked one. I said yes and I'm with her right now because she's driving me so I passed the phone to my mum and she said hello three times or so but the lady had just hung up on her. So I called two more times but she just never picked up the phone. I was mad at the lady that she just hung up like that and so we just went back home. And I never did put two and two together until about three years after when I heard on the news that there was a newspaper job ad that had been busted and the people were charged with human trafficking. The ad was very similar to the one that I had read years ago and I thanked my mum over and over because if it wasn't for her that day, I could have been dead or had been trafficked multiple times by now. I really don't know where I would have ended up. I am so grateful for my mum despite me being so angry at her for coming with me that day because if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be where I am today, that's for sure. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, 
and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.